Hello, Kangaroo Chasers. The World Cup is upon us. I am. I've never recorded from somewhere so glamorous in my life. I am in bedroom, sat in bed because my family are at home, and this is the quietest place. On the other end of the line, on the other side of the world, is Michael Carboni. Carbs, how are you? What is up, Mike? Good to be here. I'm fucking tired. I've watched a lot of rugby league. For me, it's been at midnight, three o'clock in the morning, five thirty in the morning. And uh, I am recording from my glamorous bedroom as well. But it's not my childhood bedroom. It's my uh, current bedroom. So that's the difference. But, yeah, good to be here, man. Uh, how pumped are you, man? You've been getting to a live game every day. Um, you're in heaven. Yeah, well, I mean, heaven looks a lot like Rochdale. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty frantic stuff. There's, you know, you land, you're very jet lagged. I had, what did I have? I had two days. So I landed at 7 a.m. on a Thursday morning. So you have to try and stay awake when you've been awake for an enormous amount of time. Yeah. Um, of course, then I get sick because it's 10 degrees colder here than it is in Australia and I'm tired and all I've eaten is pie and peas. Um, so, yeah, but I had three days in Leeds, which is very nice. Uh, as a former, uh, an alumni of uh, Leeds University, it was very strange to hang around Leeds University for three days for the first time in, what, 10 years since I left? More than 10 years, actually. So, yeah, uh, that was great. And, uh, yeah, made the most of my time. I was, at, uh, I was at Australia v Fiji. I was at Ireland v Lebanon. And then I, was, I went to the PNG Orchids training on Monday. So watch this space for some great PNG Orchids content coming down the line for the Chasing Jillaroos angle. Love it. And then I went down to beautiful, beautiful Doncaster. Um, how, how good, mate. I just, I still can't believe the World Cup is here and we've almost finished, at the time of recording, we've almost finished the first round. So um, we won't know the results of, or, or well, the listeners will know the results of Wales Cookies by the time this is out tomorrow morning, but we are recording just before that. Um, so, but the rest of it has been a mixture of some excitement, some blowouts, some unexpected results. And um, it's been an interesting World Cup. And, and like I said, I can't believe we're finally here, mate. It feels like an age. It's been an extra year, but we're here and it's real and I'm loving it. Yeah, it's been so good, hey. It's been... Um... I think every game. So I've the only game I haven't seen. I didn't see uh, Scotland v Italy as I was try, trying to find some Jamaican food for a piece of content that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> we did get some Jamaican food. That was good. For, at least all the tried. At least all tried, the other ideas failed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mate, but I I did watch that game. So between the two of us, we got it covered, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was in the pub for um, for. Kiwis against Lebanon, so I did see it, but I have to say I was I was also seeing one of my childhood friends, and um, so I've only sort of thrown together a match report on that one. But yeah, so um, I don't know where to start on this. Should we start I, with England? I suppose we start with England. That was first. I, I think we start at the start. That makes a lot of sense. Well, so I watched that from Leeds University Union, where uh, I spent way too much time. Um, again, as is a running theme I found from many of the journalists over here, without Wi-Fi, because Wi-Fi is just <laughs> difficult to get, difficult to get. Um, but yes, yeah, so we had... Now, I think we we have long discussed this, on almost every episode of this podcast we've done about the World Cup, that you thought Samoa would win and I thought England would win. 
I have to say I doubled down on that. I thought I put England 13 plus. I thought England would whack them and Mike Stradamus has struck because England were great, small word. Mate, even even England 13 plus is nowhere near what happened. Like I know, yeah, so it obviously was 13 plus, but it was well over 13 plus. I don't think anyone expected 60 to 6. And by the as we got closer to the World Cup, you know, when I first made the statement that I thought Samoa would beat England, I was in the minority. But as we got closer and closer to this tournament, I became part of the majority. It just really flipped. But, man, I'm happy to admit I was wrong. You were right. And uh, England were incredible. Let's talk about it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very happy that everybody flipped and went for Samoa because that made the batting odds on it a lot more favourable for some of us who, <laughs> who stayed true to the uh, English cause. But I just think from the, it was very, it was a very strange game, right? You can kind of, if I put my tactics hat on, you can kind of delete everything after the first 20 minutes because the first 20 minutes, even though it was nil-nil, told you everything because England's back five absolutely destroyed Samoa. And you would have thought, yeah. that's the back five that's just won the NRL with... Toto, Tango, um, who was on the other side? Crichton and uh, Taylor, oh, Hamaso, it was Hamaso, Taylor May didn't play. Um, and they, that back five of the England out of Young, Mackinson, um, Watkins, and Farnworth, just unbelievable. And for me, it was very obvious quite early on. I wasn't worried at all till they scored because I thought they're finding their front so easily. And Samoa, Samoa were trying to break tackles, and England weren't trying to break tackles. They were just trying to make the contact, hit the deck, play the ball. And they'd been told really specifically what to do. And I think that goes to Sean Wayne's coaching. And I think there's been a lot of criticism of Matt Porish's coaching, or lack thereof. Yeah, definitely. But England had a, a very specific game plan to play out of the backfield, use the big bodies. Callum Watkins, I don't know what he's been eating um, since he played for the Gold Coast Titans, but there's been plenty of it. Um Dom Young, superb. Farmworth been great. Not played a game. July, I think. When did he get injured? June or July? But he was incredible. So, uh, and... Dom Young scored the tri- a few tries, right? But Farnworth was for me in early contention for like man of the match honors. Like in that in the early stages of the game, he was incredible. He was incredible for the whole game, but he was right up there. Um, but it, even the halves, man, like Wellsby for me got got our uh, got the people's golden boot vote for that game. Um, a lot of our, our fans on Twitter agreed, so we gave him the points. Um, but even George Williams, mate, I haven't seen him play like that since Canberra days, and I must admit I haven't watched a lot of him since he's gone back to Super League, but Williams was incredible as well. The whole back line, man, and the forwards were good too, but it's, it's man, the backs are where, where the game was won. It was, and it was, mate, you saw it on the scoreboard, 60 to 6, but... You mentioned we'll talk about some more in a second, but like England, like they really announced themselves. Um, Sean Wayne said they can win the cup, and they kind of showed everyone that yeah, they're no slouch. Yeah, I I think they needed that. I think they needed yeah. to because I can tell you from just from being here, like the attitude of the average English rugby league fan is often quite negative. Yeah. But they're also quite bandwagon. Like they, if they think there's a chance, they'll this is why we always learn why we lose because we get so excited and then we, it always ends up the way it always ended up. And we'll we'll talk about it more, but by by the second half, you could hear it in the commentary as well. And I'm sure you you're seeing it in on the news, in newspapers, etc and on the street. But by the second half, it was like, yeah, England's gonna win the World Cup. Like that's you guys went from 
like negative to ultimate confidence. And it was just, it, it's actually, you're right. Like it's just ultimate bandwagon and I love it. I love the bias in the commentary. Um, it's good to see. And I'm, and I am, despite thinking some old winner and being incredibly wrong and having egg on my face, I'm really happy that the home nation started like that. It's exactly what this tournament needed and what English rugby league needs. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we mentioned it in the build-up, but one remembers the 1999 cricket world cup in which England were out of the tournament before the official uh, pop single had been released. (laughs) So I did did fear that at some point. Um, But yeah, I think, they were. We have to talk about Samoa, right? Because yeah, they yeah, were yeah. assisted by the way that Samoa just, um, just didn't come with a plan. They, they. I, I think this is the Penrith Panthers problem, right? Not that it's a problem with the Panthers, but is I'm naming it the Panthers problem because yeah. New South Wales did it as well, where they think because the Panthers are really good, if you put the Panthers players in a rep team, they'll also be really good. But the reason that the Panthers are good is because Ivan Cleary has got a very specific system in which every player is told quite specifically what to do. The problem there is that you take out key cogs in the system, in this case, Nathan Cleary and Isaiah Young and Dylan Edwards. Exactly what I was going to say, yeah. All of the other people's job is contingent on those people providing them the ball. Now, that's not Jerome Lewis' fault that he's not Nathan Cleary, but what you needed to do, in my opinion, was replace Nathan Cleary with someone Cleary-esque. And I, I... I know I was banging the drum for Mason Leno to play because he's that sort of, not that he's as good as Nathan Cleary, but he's an organiser. You need an organiser next to, yeah, you're right, you're right. And Milford, he was rubbish, rubbish. And he, I, he just doesn't do that. Like, the, I tell you, the first try, right, I actually wrote, I don't know if it made it to my match report, but I wrote it down. The first try was emblematic of it because it was a rubbish kick from Milford that actually Mackinson tried to put his foot back into the goal to get the 20, the 20 tap and he didn't quite make it. So he just took the ball in and they went 60 metres in three tackles. I think it was it was Makinson, then it was Young, then it was Watkins. And from that, there was a they run. Um, I think it was a quick play the ball to Tompkins, Williams through the hole, Wells through under the sticks. Yeah. But they went the length of the field in four tackles, but they've gone 60 of it in three tackles because they just, Samoa, kicked badly, didn't stop, didn't stop the first, um, the set start. And then were nowhere to be found. They'd lost by by the third tackle. They were already all over the place. And yeah. that kind of told you everything. That's the sort of thing that you would expect that Samoa would go in and be very, very like like we saw last night with Tonga, actually, which we'll come to, but bash up in the middle and then struggle in the halves a little bit. But they didn't do the bash up in the middle bit. They didn't stop the move, the the momentum, which I well, thought they, would be the, yeah. the absolute bare minimum for Samoa. The the big issue there in the middle, and I I, I need to read uh, your match report actually, courtesy of uh, the Raw Sports dot com that I use. So we'll we'll plug the sponsor, but um, Samoa the their biggest issue was the speed of play the ball. They were so incredibly slow. They were getting up slow. They were playing it slow. Service was slow. Or Levi was okay. I'm not going to bag his service out too much, but they they just weren't making meters because of it and and England were constantly on top so that's the first thing they need to address and i i think i have a theory right as well right i'll get to the theory in a second but um to your to your panthers those those critical panthers cogs not being there that showed right so firstly they were underprepared 
right? They they arrived late to the World Cup. They've probably hardly had any training together. And despite the Panthers' connection, their spine has very little experience together as well. Suali'i, as good as he, as good as the moments he had, like he had some brilliant moments, right? But there were some, there was some bad positional play. Like the kid has never played fullback at such a high level. And I'm sure he can be a great fullback in time, but that was just, you know, an obvious first game at the back. Um, uh, the six and seven hardly have played together. Levi's been in Super League. He hasn't been around these boys for a while. So there was just absolutely no cohesion in this squad. Call, call, it, call it poor coaching, call it poor tactics, call it whatever you like. They were undercooked. They were not ready for this game. And England were a lot more ready and it showed on the scoreboard. Um, but my theory is this, right? I think Samoa, and I could be very wrong, and you're probably going to be bagging me out about this call in a few weeks' time, but I think Samoa can grow in this World Cup. If they can get some experience together and some cohesion, they're likely to still make the, the quarterfinals and they're likely to play Tonga. And I don't know if they can beat Tonga, but I think that's going to be a very good game. I think that by the end, Samoa can can put something together. Um, but where, what I do know is, or what I do now think is, I, I started the week thinking Samoa could win the World Cup and England couldn't. And I've, I'm, I've ended the week thinking England can win the World Cup and Samoa can't. It's a complete reversal for me. I think you're completely right. I think they... Having seen Tonga last night, I see more reasons why Tonga can get better, totally quicker, um, which I guess we'll come on to. I don't want to. I know we have to rattle along here, but um, yeah, I think they they will get better quicker than Samoa. I think there's there's pretty fundamental problems there that I, I don't know how they can fix. I think Milford's suspended, so you're going to get Harris Tavito, who I think is a more calm presence, but he's not a seven, yeah. and it might force them to make Luai play seven, which he actually did in the last World Cup. So. I think if Luai plays seven and tries to be a bit more smart, he's got that in him. He's, I, I'm, a, you know, he's a divisive character, but I'm a big Luai fan. I so think that's I think, yeah. I think Luai at seven is um is an answer to their problems. I think that, or it's the best solution that they have in this squad. Yeah, but I I, I am also a man who regularly death rides Anthony Milford only because I loved him so much when he was young, and he's basically not got any better. But, <laughs> but um, let's talk. Let's talk about Parish, like. Surely he's done at the end of this World Cup. Has that cemented the end of his coaching experience with Samoa? Or like, do we well, give? I, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. Um, you know, unless he's got pictures of somebody doing something they shouldn't be doing, he's he's gone. <laughs> um, look, I'm, I'm conscious we have to rattle along here. Let's yeah, not waste let's time on Matt Parrish's inevitable sacking. Let's um, do it. <laughs> we move on to the Kangaroos against Fiji. Now you must have been happy as I stood. In the uh, in the grandstand, uh, oh no, in the top of the south stand at Eddingley, and heard the worst version of Advanced Australia Fair I've ever heard. I did think I don't know where they got that version from, but uh, it wasn't great. Um, I did think, wow, Kangaroos about to play a game for rugby league football. It's uh, the, Union. yeah, the the Australian Kangaroos still play rugby league. There was a great uh, there was a great uh, meme article on what was it on. I forget what it was on, but they were talking about how every couple of years, you know, the NRL put the origin teams together to play against other nations. And it was, it was, it was fantastic to see. Um, the Kangaroos are back. Uh, and to be honest, 
I was really impressed. I, I think the best thing for the Kangaroos is that they played a couple of hours after an English side that everyone's going to be talking about. But the Kangaroos, for the first time, flew under the radar despite winning 42 to 8 against a, a pretty strong Fijian side. Let's, like, you know, let's not underestimate them. Um, the Kangaroos were good. They never got out of second gear. And I'm actually, as, as, a, as a person who does not want the Kangaroos to win this World Cup, I'm actually a little bit scared because I think all the ingredients were there for a really good campaign. I was, I was really impressed. Um, and, and I didn't want to be, but I was. Do you know, right? So here's my theory. I, I was very impressed by the Kangaroos. I thought they looked for the first, maybe first half, First half an hour, even they they look like a team that hadn't played in four years, yeah, or three years, sorry. Um, but they've just got so much talent, right? And what they what they'll always have is that they only have to have three players play well, and they'll probably win against most teams because you know you look at that. Daily Champions didn't really do anything. Tedesco scored a try, but didn't really do anything. Ben Hunt wasn't didn't really do anything. But you look at like. Um, yeah, Harry Grant, brilliant. Cameron Munster, brilliant. Um, Josh Adokar, brilliant. And you win the game. So yeah. because they'll do they'll do enough amazing stuff. Um, my worry for the Kangaroos to give you a bit of hope as somebody wants them to lose. Um, <laughs> I'll call me actually. My worry for somebody wants them to lose is that I have watched them my entire life look beatable and then not lose. Mm. That's what they do. Um, but. My my worry of somebody wants them to lose. Oh my! What 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 gives me hope that they might actually lose is that I'm really unconvinced on their forward pack. I remain unconvinced. I think I counted before that they started this game with five locks and two back rowers. Yeah, like players. I went on rugby league project and looked at the most commonly played positions of all their of all their pack, and they were all locks. So they all played thirteen more than anything yeah. else, except for I think Ruben Carter, well. who had played mostly as a hooker. Until he was a lock, until but he's played lock pretty much all year. So you you look at Tino, Jerbo, Cameron Murray. Um, who's the other one? There was one more. It'll come back to me. But they were all guys or Carrigan, who predominantly have played as thirteens. They're a very small pack, and it look. If I was New Zealand, I'd be looking at that, going, "Well, we'll have a bit of that." That that gives me confidence if I was New Zealand. Well, it's up, um, to, it's up to New Zealand, man, because if you look at the rest of this, right, so they're going to play, their next games are against Scotland and Italy, who, you know, all due respect, they're going to be easy. They're going to be training sessions for Australia. Then they're going to end up, without going too far ahead, they're going to end up against probably Ireland or the Lebanon in, in a, a prelim, which, again, they should do those pretty easy. And then they'll probably face New Zealand. Like, and I don't want to get the crystal ball out. Hopefully, it doesn't all go according to plan. But the Kangaroos aren't going to face a test until that semi-final, which is, you know, that's when we're really going to find out what they're made of, and if they're as as good as they're looking, and if the if the Kiwis can actually do what you're saying they're going to do. And I hope, and I hope you're right. Yeah, I I think New Zealand by that point will have warmed into the tournament because the way it'll go for them is that their games get progressively harder. So Australia are playing Fiji, which is probably, they've played Fiji, which would be their hardest game of the group stage. But then they've got two training runs, essentially, followed by Ireland or Lebanon, who I, you know, look, they'll give them a better game than I think Scotland or Italy will, for sure. Yeah. But by that point, 
and I say this with the greatest of Irish pride, we have achieved our goal, you know, by getting to the quarterfinals and having a red hot crack. There'll be Ireland will, will have a goal, Lebanon will, if they get there will definitely have a goal, but it will be like, come on now, it's Australia. Whereas Fiji will be playing, will likely play New Zealand, and they beat New Zealand in the last World Cup, and Fiji will have three games behind them. So I think New Zealand will go, uh, Lebanon, good hit out, Jamaica, cakewalk, Ireland, theoretically, both teams could be through by then, so you might see a lot of rotation, then Fiji, big game into Australia, and they'll be battle-hardened. But I'm conscious here that we are rattling along, and we're <laughs> already planning out the tournament in a month's time, when actually what we should be doing is talking about Italy against Scotland, which I didn't watch because I was stuck in traffic trying to find a Jamaican restaurant, but you did watch. Please tell me about it. Uh, Leo Epifania, what a guy. What a champion, eh? And what a what a beautiful, beautiful game for Italy. Um, Scotland were probably the favourites. I don't think anyone expected Italy to win, and especially win 28-4. to 4. I expected them to win. I'll have you know. I would, well, have, uh, I would have tipped Italy, but I, well, not by as much. Maybe yeah. not by that much. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And look, I was certainly backing Italy. Um, it was refreshing to see an Italian side sort of muscle up and do so well without some of the big names we're used to. So, you know, Nathan, Nathan Brown was there, but we didn't have Tedesco's and Minicello's and Vaughan's and all that sort of stuff. So it was really good to see. Um, and, um, you know, guys like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, San- Santi, Brendan Santi, just a, just a bit like plays in the French league. He's been. He's had a few World Cup campaigns for Italy now. He's one of those forwards that you you know you know he's going to go hard. He may give away a penalty, but you sort of forgive him because he's just a tough dude. And it was good to see guys like that just really getting into it and 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 really bashing Scotland. But Italy were good again. They've probably achieved. They've already achieved more this World Cup than last World Cup by winning by that margin. And um, they're going to do it tough against Australia. They're going to do it tough against Fiji. But I think the boys can certainly do do themselves very proud, and and I only hope that. Look, I hope for both these nations, like Italy and Scotland. Um, the the big criticism that these two nations have is, you know, when it gets back to domestic rugby league, um, there's not a lot to show. As much as they both do talk it up quite a bit, um, I'd like to see you know Italy with a win like this really be able to to focus on their domestic rugby league over the next three or four years and really get that right because the foundations are there and, uh, yeah, hopefully this can be the little spark that they need. Yeah, I think well, they played Jolly Cellarino played in that game, did you not? Know? He, he did, yeah, he number, six, bench, so. number 16. And Jolly, again, has had some great campaigns. He's, he's playing over in France as well. But uh, we need more of that. We need more, more Italian accents. Um, and and they're growing, you know. They're certainly at last World Cup. Jolly was there was Jolly, and there was the um, Bergamiso, the rugby union convert. They were the only two Italian-born guys. So in the squad, I think there's there's you know yeah. there's four or five Bergamo's there now. Cool, yeah. So it's it's an improvement, and they will continue to improve. You know, Razio Daro and everyone are doing such a great job there. Um, but you know, and you know, now that COVID's over. Um, it's time for some for Italy to to grow into the nation, the rugby league nation. Uh, it needs to be, and and that to me was exciting. We've kind of gone way off topic of the game, but you know, that's <laughs> no, no, that's no. what excites me there. Oh, I just I'm not going to stop you in full Italian flow. You know? <laughs> um, speaking of, you know, that was the what's the uh, aperitivo. Now onto the. <laughs> 
uh, what do I want? I don't know. We, I don't think Irish people have main course. It's the big bowl of stew um, that was Ireland Sound, against Jamaica. Sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah. Well, you tell me. You've there. seen my, you've seen my Italian pride. Let's let's now it's your turn. Well, come the day and come the hour. I hate that national anthem, by the way. It's really. <laughs> It's uh, it kills me as an Irish person. Like, why don't we just sing our proper national anthem? But I understand why they do it. Um, it's weird actually because it's quite a good song. Hold on, I what is of... the prop? You, you're going to teach me something here. What's the proper national anthem? Or on the free. Our, so our national anthem, the national anthem of Ireland is yeah. called the on the free, which is a uh, it's it's in Irish, so it would have been difficult for Luke Carey. But um, the it's a convention that uh, sports teams that represent the whole island as in not just the republic of ireland yeah sing a different national anthem which is usually i'm not sure what the cricket sing but in rugby union and rugby league it's an island's call yeah. which is sort of a which was commissioned specifically to be a non um a, a less politically contentious national anthem um rather than so weirdly in the rugby union if they play in the republic they sing island's call and then play the actual national anthem yeah. whereas if if we play in the north, I think they just sing Ireland's call. No, um, it's very cool, man. I didn't know that. I've learned something it's today. Like, it, it's not cool. It's quite annoying for those of us who uh, think that <laughs> I Ireland should to... have its own national anthem. But let's that's uh, send me tweets. I'll argue with you on Twitter about it. I, we don't need to waste <laughs> kangaroo's time on it. Mate, um, you mean... Fun fact, though. As, Go for as it. Someone, as someone who is... Um, look, I love a contentious national issue. Um, and national anthems have been very prominent in my head in the last couple of days, as, as I've heard a lot of them. But uh, as some, my partner, as you know, is uh, an Albanian or Kosovan, and Kosovo couldn't get around the idea of their national anthem not offending fifty percent or a significant part of the population. So they, they don't have any words; they just have a tune because they couldn't decide if it was going to be in Albanian or if it was going to be in Serbian. Well, you can't um, go wrong. You can't so go wrong. Went, do you know what? We'll stand in silence. And <laughs> I mean, they couldn't. Just... Couldn't they do both languages? Like the Kiwis have two languages in their national anthem. Couldn't they be? Uh... A comp- but you know. Well, uh, yeah, let's... Um, <laughs> I, know, let's, I, know, let's, I know, I know. The music's we fine. Need, neither of us are qualified <laughs> to get deep into this. But, um, let's go back on track. Th- you mentioned Luke Keary. And yes, Luke he, Keary yeah, okay. was unbelievable. Luke, yeah. Luke Keary is a very good rugby league player and suffice to say, the abilities of a, what, three-time premiership winning uh, half versus Jamaica, who I think had three Super League players, and you know, guys from the Jamaican comp and lots of lower league battlers from the UK, the the difference in skill level is pretty vast. Um, so yeah, he looked very good. There was times he was just like he looked like he was me down Henson Park playing touch footy, like just running sideways and throwing talking it around people, up, mate. talking yourself up. But Luke Keary was <laughs> Luke Keary was like thirty points worth of player in this game. He he got um, again he got the people's vote for the golden boot, and I should explain that so. Of course, we are, uh, Mike and I, golden boot selectors once again this year uh, or, or judges once again this year and part of a, a, an extensive panel, which is fantastic. Um, at the end of the Cup, um, the big boys will come in. So the guys that have played 50-plus tests for their nation, so Cameron Smith, uh, James Graham and Ruben Wickey will come in and help us decide from our long list of players. But what I've been doing or vowed to do for each game of this World Cup is I put it to the people on Twitter and I ask, who's your man of the match? I collect everyone's opinions and then I make a decision on who my vote is. Luke Keary was was the people's choice for golden boot points for this game. He was outstanding. But a question for you, mate. And look, um, you've seen all the Ireland Rugby League games ever in history. 
was this the, one of the best performances or the best performance they've put on as a side? Um, I think it was a good prelude. If they were to do something similar against Lebanon, that would be the that would be the the big test because I, look, Jamaica very much in the in the happy to be there camp. They played hard, had a real red hot crack. But I think with just the level between a predominantly Super League Ireland team and a um, predominantly lower level Jamaica team was pretty obvious, and that's no shade on Jamaica because they obviously their first ever game, and you can yeah. only pick who you can pick. Um, I think if you'd have thrown Jordan Turner and Dom Young into that team, that makes a big difference. But obviously they're not there, and Ireland looked very, very good. I think they looked very like worryingly competent if you're an international team because the thing about international football is it is kind of everybody's a bit thrown together because you just don't get the time to prepare but what Jed Corker and the coach were saying afterwards was that that he's really trying to keep it simple like defensive philosophy is very easy and attacking philosophy is you know play football like go out and play so it's not going to be overstructured. It's going to be a case of we'll defend well, we'll play hard through the middle and we'll try and create stuff off the back of it, which I think is the right way to approach international rugby league in general. And Ireland seem to have their priorities in order. They're not trying to do anything um, groundbreaking. But the look, if you'd have said that Ireland were going to bash up Jamaica and be better in the wings than Jamaica, it would have been quite surprising, put it this way, given, given the makeup of the teams. But you look at the... You know, especially the two wingers, the two senior brothers. They're the so brothers, big. yeah, they're all great. They're, they're fantastic. so strong. Like, that's going to be really advantageous when you throw them in against Lebanon. I think they're not going to... Lebanon are going to have to be on their absolute best to control a really experienced kind of... I don't know what the word... Nousy. They've got a lot of guile forward pack. And then just those those lads out wide, I think... Are, you know what they do, they do very well. So I think Ireland are pretty strong. I'll, I'm really excited to see them against Lebanon because I think Lebanon were also very yeah. strong. Let, let's talk um, about let's talk about the next round at the end. But I, I just spoiler alert: Ireland and Lebanon is the game I'm looking forward to probably the most in the next round. Like it's that's really exciting for me. Um, yeah, I'm not but sure I, how, how many members of my family will be there. But I would imagine <laughs> they'll all be there. I, I um, yeah, there'll be like one end of Lee Sports Village the, will just be made up of Maguire's. My my thoughts from Ireland, Jamaica, and my hot take really is that like neither of these nations were ever are ever going to win the World Cup in this like in 2022, right? But I just hope that we don't give up on Jamaica um, because it's their first time. Um, it's great that they're there. They're obviously exposing the game to. Not only you know the island of Jamaica, but also you know some some demographics in in Northern England who don't necessarily follow rugby league. So I think that's fantastic. We need to figure out how to to you know continue off the back of that to continue to build the game in the diaspora in, in over in in the UK, but also open up pathways for Jamaican kids to get to you know the English system for the time being. I think that's the sh- the short to medium term solution to growing Jamaica. And I hope I'm not expecting us to come up with solutions now, but perhaps it's a podcast episode for the future, but there definitely needs to be some thought and some time that goes into that. And similarly, like Ireland, they've got Ireland have a wonderful domestic competition that is growing. Um, And I think we need to get really serious about potentially having an Irish side, you know, at super league level. Like, I think that is an important step. 
and something that we we as a sport need to seriously think about. And and those are the two things, you know, that with that game, I'll watch it. You know, I was up at whatever time in the morning it was for me watching that game, just thinking, you know, the fu- this game, the future is bright if we can get it right for once. Yeah, I think that's what you see here is you see I, the Ireland team that was thrown together in 2000, for example, was a much, I would say, stronger team than the one that they currently have now. But it was very much a case of get the best guys on the field. And, you know, the domestic structure, which was happening too, obviously my father was involved with that in various different levels and people that we know were. Um, but they now they have like, they seem to have quite a well-rounded theory. Like I spent a bit of time with Jim Reynolds, who's the um, chair of Rugby League Island, you know, talking about what they're doing back in the country and stuff like that. So yep. it is happening. I think Jamaica as well, Romeo Monteith, God, God love him. I remember him coming into the Rugby League headquarters when I worked there about, 10 years ago, more than that. Like, he is a lifer. Like, he's been there for years doing it. I think they've got the right thing as well, where the pace of development in Jamaica is ongoing. And they're getting guys, you know, a Bivy McDonald, for example, who came out of the Jamaica competition, yeah. moved to England, playing in the English competition. Yeah. There's a lot of scope for that. We all know, like, anyone who's seen the Olympics knows the, um, that the river of athletic talent in Jamaica is pretty deep. Yeah. So I think it's just a case of trying to identify talent earlier. Anyway, we are, again, we love talking about the global game, right? But we have to talk about actual games that happened. Yeah. So we rattle on. We go to Kiwis against Lebanon, where Mate. I think Kiwis yeah. look great. Lebanon look pretty good as well. Lebanon, um, Lebanon are like the Queensland of International Rugby League in that they never give up. They always play above their weight and they're just incredibly passionate. So Lebanon... Played well above their weight last World Cup. Um, they did some incredible things at at the Nines World Cup a few years ago, and they were just not only did they shock me in this game, but they were an absolute joy to watch. Lebanon and and we'll talk about Greece next as well because they're very similar. They just played. They they decided. You know what? We're not going to play like the Melbourne Storm and the Penrith Panthers like everyone else tries to. We're gonna play like Lebanon, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try and disrupt the Kiwis, and we're gonna try short kickoffs, and we're gonna try and rake the ball in every tackle, and we're just gonna do things that no one expects. And it was such a joy to watch. And you know, were Lebanon ever gonna win this game? I don't know, but they sure they sure believed that they could. And you know, thirty four points to twelve, probably you know it probably could have even been closer. New Zealand you know, never really had to hit their straps, you know, but I think they, they're going to get much better as this competition goes on. But I think, um, and I think in a funny kind of way, it was the perfect first up match for New Zealand because, you know, it, it was a test for them. And um, the more tests they have as they work towards Australia in that semi-final that we were pretty sure is going to happen, um, the better for them. Yeah. I think Lebanon, look, my general theory, somebody who spends a lot of time thinking about rugby league tactics, is if you are a worse team roster-wise, you have to ask different questions. Yeah, You have to play control v. chaos, because if you play a controlled game, the better team will win. Exactly. So you need to induce chaos into proceedings. Into... And I think this is, on a general level, we saw a bit of this, because Ireland played in a very controlled manner, knowing that they were a better team. And I, I just wonder if Jamaica had thrown more at them. I said this in... Um, after Greece, because I think France did the same thing, where France played in a very controlled style, and I think when they play Samoa, they'll play completely differently. Yeah, that was clever coaching from from Lauren and from from Trent, as the same yeah. as from Jed Corcoran. Um, 
and I think Lebanon, Michael Chaker, God love him, he he knows a lot about coaching. So he was, he's a really, he was great. Yeah, I wondered how really he would go. Coach. You know, he's coaching three different sides around the world. Most of them are, are rugby union sides, but he knows his rugby league. Or and look, there was probably a bit of union flair with the short kickoffs as well. So it was actually really refreshing to see. And I, I just love watching Lebanon play. They always punch above their weight. Um, and they're another one. They're in the Jamaica and Ireland camp where, you know, domestically there is stuff going on. They've got university rugby league as well. Um, they've got a very passionate, like, heritage scene in Sydney in particular. Uh, Lebanon is another, like, sleeping, I'm not going to say giant, but definitely. Sleeping cedar. They're a sleeping cedar. They are. And uh, so, but, Yeah. So... I'm, I'm conscious we are about to drift. I'm stopping you right there before we drift off into the uh, macro level here because we do need to keep. <laughs> oh, I love the macro, Mike. I love the macro. That's, but let's I know, go. That's fr- what this let's go. About. Let's no, no, go no, no, no. I had, point, I had a point about Lebanon. Oh, go for it. Lebanon. Go for it. The actual <laughs> game that took place. I think this this is something that we have seen. We see it with Greece. We'll see it with with, um, with Lebanon. I think we we'll probably see it with with Ireland to a lesser extent as well. The best players that they have are halfbacks. Yeah. So what do you pl- what do you do when your best players are halfbacks? If your best players are all forwards, like if you bash. you're Samoa yeah. and Tonga, bash down the middle because that's what you're going to be good at. Fiji will definitely do that because they don't have any halfbacks. Yeah. But Ireland, Ireland, you know, with Kerry, uh, Duehi, and who's now a Duehi, not a Dewey. You'll notice he's now a Duehi. I've been calling um, him Duehi all along, but that's great. Well, yeah. No, 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 no. Well, Andrew Voss informed me personally that his um, Adam Duehi is says he's a Duehi now. So there you go. Um, and if Vossi says it, it is gospel pronunciation-wise. It's, it's true, yeah. Um, but if you've got those players, you, look, if you're if you're playing a New South Wales Cup pack, but with top-end NRL halfbacks, like, play like that. That's how you've got to play, because play to your strengths. And that's and saw, great for the, yeah, for the neutral yeah. viewer, because that means they're going to try stuff. And we saw the same with Greece, right, with Ilias and, and even Move on, Ilias move on well. to Greece, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. So France 34, Greece 12. And again, same thing, you know, I think to, to be honest, France um, were not as impressive as I expected in this one, but maybe Greece were just more impressive than I expected. They were great to watch. They asked questions because they had to, you know, they had some domestic boys who had a shot like your Neonakis of the world. And I love to see it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the Magulius magic at the end, which, you know, it's, it's part of his contract. He has to do something special in the last minute of every game. Otherwise, you know, he doesn't get to play rugby league anymore. It was yeah, great to see. Until the 78th minute. No, that's, really... that's when he turns Actually, it on. That's but... not true. He, do, he does it lots of times. He does it. He doesn't he does work that. until the 17th minute. Yeah. yeah. But, like, it was great to watch. And I love that Greece have already a personality. And, again, you know, Coach George Arles, great job. Played to the strengths, as you said, Ilias, Magulius, etc. Um, it was beautiful to watch, and and they can be incredibly proud of that game. Uh, France, on the other hand, I think they have some work to do. Uh, your your boy Gijo had some shockers, some shocking decisions in the game, yet, which I think I expect. Yeah, and yet Tony Gigo scored a try. Very yeah. early, he was a, off a kick. He also the try that Arthur Morg scored under the post was yeah. all Gigo. He said yeah, yeah. He, he sent uh, Billy Magulius for a Savlaki on his <laughs> and created a created a huge gap. I, so I have posited this idea. I mean, firstly, we built this up as the two rugby league's two greatest Mavericks doing their uh, doing their craziness, and we, we we got we got all of it. We got yeah. Magulius chip kicks. We got Gigo kicking terribly, brilliantly, 
scoring tries, setting up tries, making a complete meal of everything. He was, um, yeah, it was all you expect from Tony Diego. Um, I think in a game where France basically said, do you know what, if we play really, really sensibly in, in a quite a boring manner, we'll probably win. We'll score enough points to win and Greece will have to do something outstanding, which is probably beyond them. And that basically that worked. Look, they were winning, what, 24, 24 and a half times, something like that. Yeah. Some of the moves they put on, there was a try for Ben Julian. The second Ben Julian try was a great try. Um, you know, very cohesive, which you would expect from a team that's got a lot of players who play in the same club side or have played in the same club side. Um, I think France, I don't think they were that bad at all. I think you're being a bit harsh, but they, they basically got what they needed out of the game. Greece got what they needed out of it as well. What play, you know, Greece credits to them made things. They changed the conversation when things weren't going their way, which you know that's what you've got to do. That's, that's the sign of a good, a well-coached team. Yeah. But I think France, when they play Samoa, I think next week against England will be good for them because they'll realise the level, and I don't think they'll get close to England, but they'll get close enough that they'll, you know, hopefully anyway they'll they'll be able to learn something, play a bit harder, more combinations, and then when they play Samoa with the game on the line, you need. They're going to be playing like Greece, and that's when Tony Gigo is going to be his best. Like, Tony, go and do something mad. It'll either work or it won't, but if it works, they're in with a chance. I'm looking forward to both of those games, and we'll talk about upcoming games next, but I think we need to really spend some time talking about what was easily the best game of the round so far, and there's only one to go, and I doubt tomorrow morning or tonight's game for you is going to get to the standard that, we saw with Mate Tonga and the Kumuls, like that was edgy a seat. You know, we nearly had a massive upset and both, it's not that, it's not that Papua New Guinea were, were great and Tonga were poor, like both nations played really well. And this was exactly the game that the World Cup needed at this point. Tonga 24 to 18, mate, were you as excited as I was? Um, well, I was, I mean, firstly, uh, from a professional perspective, I was very annoyed <laughs> because there was no Wi-Fi. <laughs> so nobody could ha- nobody could finally copy. Greatest game of the World Cup so far and nobody could talk about it. Um, but the, actually, the joy of that was that I was sort of able to just watch it, you know, because you're not constantly, you've not got the the feed in your ears of the, you know, of the um, TV because you have it on in the background so that, you know, if people get HIAs, whatever. Um, you didn't have... 10 distractions of the stats in front of you. You just watched it like you would have watched the game. Actually, I was sat next to um, a friend of the podcast, Steve Mascord, at the France-Greece game, where no, neither of us had a plug socket. And mm-hmm. we were saying it was amazing. You were just doing it off a pen and paper and a team <laughs> sheet like you used to do it. Um, so it was a bit like that. But yeah, when well, you couldn't have wished for a better game. There was a great atmosphere in the stadium. There was um, weird. There was a load of Tongans with Fufu and Moi Moi going nuts in the middle. Yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. You had uh, the guy behind me, Mister PNG, the mayor of Port Moresby, was going bonkers. One bloke with a flag going absolutely bonkers at every tackle. Yeah, um, in talk pitching mostly. <laughs> and you had a load of people from Lee who were like Edwin Apape's personal fan club. You had obviously the locals, very you know St Helens crowd, you know their rugby league, so they were very impressed to see all the various different people they don't regularly get to see. Um, it was great. It was great. And it had everything. It had Tonga got shocked early with from a brilliant PNG try. PNG yeah. really worked out, you know, getting the ball to... They had a really good left shift to Justin Ollum, who was running around. They could have motorised through that. 
they they'll be annoyed at themselves they didn't win that game because that was they were plenty of chances they were one Xavier Coates away from winning the game I believe because there was two tries that went to what would have been his wing that were disallowed or missed opportunities where he would have scored I'm so confident he would have scored and that would have been the difference so but PNG was so impressive. The 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 people's men of the match actually came from the losing side for the gold got people's golden boot with uh, Edwin Apape. He was fantastic. Can someone in the NRL sign him up if he isn't if he isn't affiliated with an NRL club? Like, what are you doing? Like, get this guy there. He was great. And um, I think his reasoning was that he doesn't play in the NRL. Is that he that it's not a playing related reason. Put it that way. Okay. I'm not going to speculate any further because I'm not entirely sure. But I'm pretty sure it's it's it, it might have been a timekeeping or something like that. You know. Anyway, let's not go into that. He was great last night. Um, my personal one of the match actually was so well. Keon Kalamatangi playing as a nine. He was good. For, he was everywhere. Like, Didn't expect it, him to do like to play that role, you know. And he 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 was impressive, right? Yeah, he was brilliant. I think a shout out as well for Kyle Labor, the six of PNG, who defensively was unbelievable. Tonga ran so much traffic at him, and he was just he laid out Daniel Tupu twice. Yeah, he he was so good defensively. Lucky Lamb, my my dad right, was was watching that. He just goes, does Lucky Lamb ever do a pass that isn't a no look pass? It's just yeah, just he just he loves it. He loves it. He um, loves it. The other standout was your boy at fullback for Tonga from Manly. Oh, cool. Yeah, great. Well, he was, I actually, he was great. I put it in my match report. There's the old, I don't know if this is an adage in, in Australia, but in, in English rugby league cliche world, you would say the one thing you can't teach is speed. And he, he is an example of that you put him in one yard of space and he's gone. That first um, the try that Penasini scored for Tonga was all cooler, just being so fast. Yeah. And you really can't legislate for someone who's that fast. Um, so good. So good, I man. think you saw the limitations of Tonga. Um, you had Isaiah Katawa, who I thought played quite well. He was very good. First game, really, only he's only played two games against men. Like he's been playing. He was playing for Glenmore, Glenmore Park mm. midway through this year in mm. Penrith A grade. So like he's, you know, obviously he he has been signed to the Dolphins now. So he looks like he looks a brilliant player. You had. Um, Sonny Luke, who came on, but he he's too small really to play for sixty minutes. So I I said when I saw Kalamatungi playing at nine, I thought, what's he what's going on here? And I just thought they're doing the Panthers thing where Mitch Kenny would start and Coruscant would come on. Mm. I thought they were doing that where Sonny Luke he can't play eighty minutes, but he can start twenty minutes in, play to half time, and then play to the end. Yeah. So that I I think he would be a liability in a bigger game just because of the size of him. He's not. I think even Penrith next year are going to play that like that with Mitch Kenny and him as a rotation. Um, who played six? I can't remember who played six for them. Who was six? Oh, oh for Lola no, here. Lola it was Lola here. Yeah, he went right actually. So think, he was good as well. I was impressed by him. So that was. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if Junior Amone was. No, he was the 18th man. So he must have. He must. They must have chosen to play like that. But um, yeah, they've got. Look, they've got some depth in the halves with with Amone. So it's it's good to see. It's it's an improve. It, it's actually an improved Tonga, which I wasn't expecting. They only beat PNG by six, but PNG were well improved as well. Like Tonga can win this World Cup. It's it, they can win it. They are incredibly strong. I can't wait to see, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're going to see them versus England in the, in a semi-final unless, 
you know, we see Samoa improve or, or that something like Samoa that. It's going to be Sunday afternoon at Warrington and it is going to be the game of the tournament. That is going to be an absolute cracker. But like, you're that, going to have to like, get up at one thirty in the morning or something to watch that. But mate, I'll, I won't sleep. Don't worry, I'll be fine. But that's that's awesome. And and Tonga can do it, man. Quick story about Tonga, and then a little bit of macro stuff because I love it about PNG. Uh, my daughter, six year old, walks downstairs at um, at five thirty in the morning or or whatever. Kato's scoring under the post, and she sees this team wearing a big red V, which of course was homage to St Helens. But she doesn't know who St Helens are. She knows who St George are, and she said, Dad. Why is St George playing so early in the morning, and how did they get so good? So yeah, I, she was, uh, it was it was incredible. She it was it was great. I had to explain it all to her, but it was fantastic. But I want to talk about Papua New Guinea because I was so so impressed with them in a, in a losing situation. They were incredible. Um, it's a rugby league mad nation. You know all the cliches, uh, but I think like they are at the cusp of something special. Papua New Guinea is a nation that can win a World Cup in the not-too-distant future. And, again, what we spoke about with Ireland and, and Lebanon and, and Jamaica, like PNG times 100, mate, because we need to we need to focus on pathways. We need more Justin Ollams in the NRL. The Kangaroos need to give them the respect they deserve. And I, and I had a tweet today which had a, which had a lot, was very popular, saying that the Kangaroos need to forget about Prime Minister's 13s and play full-strength Kangaroos against the Kumuls at least once a year, every year. Um, and it doesn't matter if they win by 40 because if you if you give them that match every year and we start to see more young PNGians coming through into NRL squads, then PNG are going to be absolute world-class in a very short period of time. And we need to make that commitment to them now. They deserve it. Macro yeah, rant yeah. over. <laughs> no, that's true, <laughs> and you can you can see the impact of having the hunters. Even the player, there wasn't yeah. actually that many hunters on the field, but the players who've gone through the hunters and just been yeah. exposed to that professionalism. Um, on on your macro level, I so I went out to um on Monday afternoon. I went out to the orchids camp, and the same thing's true there. Like the level of talent available to the orchids is so high. Like I think they'll beat England at the um in the women's World Cup. So just well, wow. the the, rev, the reservoir of talent is so deep, and it just needs what PNG doesn't have is resources, and it just needs somebody to put the resources into it to make that possible. Because you look at what you know, every, it's like it, it's like every time somebody retires or you know so, somebody comes out of that team, there's another bloke who looks who's mate looks like they've been chipped out of granite, yeah. pulled down from the highlands of PNG and put onto a into a Cummins jersey. And you're just like, look, last night, Sylvester Namo, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and then you Nixon put Mackenzie Yeah, all these guys, Ipape, just so Ipape good. was great. They all were fantastic. But like yeah. mate, it's up to it's up to Australia, the kangaroos and the NRL. Like that's what like we need to open up the pathways, give them like play them in Port Moresby once a year, get NRL games over there. Like the storm should be taking a game to PNG, man. Like they've got Olam and, and Coates and they would go nuts for it. Don't worry if it's a loss maker. Like, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, having a, a PNG side as the 18th NRL club. I don't really believe that's the solution. I think there's other ways we can do it. But, oh, man, it's, it's, that is 
for me, that's what really excited me. And I've been thinking about it all day long. Of course, watching that game at 5.30 this morning, my time, I've been thinking about Papua New Guinea Rugby League all day long. Well, do you, do you know what it is, right? I, I think you're seeing the success of it now is almost that the Hunters aren't good anymore because the hunter, all the Hunters players you've gone through are now playing for other teams. It's, yeah. just, it's the same with, look, in the, you would think that the best French players would play for the Catalans, but the best French player plays for Huddersfield because he was winning championships with St. Ellen's previously in TL5. Yeah, you're so right. So yeah, you look right. at when it's when it's like there's so many French players in the competition that the Catalans and Toulouse and other teams have now got French players. Like the, worry, the Warriors are the same. PNG. The Warriors are yeah. the same, you know. So we, we let's not dial, have a diluted Port Moresby Vipers or whatever you want to call them, like in the NRL. Like let's just get three or four PNG players in every NRL club. Like that'll do the trick. Yeah, yeah. Right, we have to move on. We have got, so we've got Wales against Cook Islands, which you'll have to um, gloss over because we haven't, it's not happened yet. So yeah, Cook, Island, Cook, Island, Cook Islands won uh, by a big score. Let's just say that and see if I'm right. Yep. Um, and um, so, all right, we'll move on. We've got on Friday night, I will be down in Coventry for Australia against Scotland. I'm not sure there's an enormous amount to say about that because... Can Australia Australia get to 100? That's my question. Uh, Will the Kiwis get to 100 against Jamaica? Because I think that that is definitely a possibility. Also potentially there. Uh, can, Can Italy put on a bit of a show against Fiji? I don't think they'll win, but can Italy... Put on a that performance. Is, that is a game I'm quite excited about. I'm so I'm. Go, I have to go up from Coventry. I'll get the train the next day up to um, Bolton, which is now, I think, sold out. And we should talk about this. So uh, you mentioned the England bandwagon. So um, Bolton is, is apparently sold out for Saturday for the England game, which is good. Yep. And as it should be. Um, they they already hit the rate the TV ratings on the weekend. I think with the, uh, roughly the same as they were for the Challenge Cup final, which is the biggest game on the BBC um, uh, you know traditionally most of our games are not on are on pay TV but on free to air BBC get the Challenge Cup so the Challenge Cup final rates the highest so that was game one and that was at a 2.30 kickoff on a Saturday now 5pm kickoff on a Saturday is theoretically an even better rating slot for England so you could be looking at a real you know I'm not sure what that would mean in terms of um, ratings in numbers wise but you'd be looking at you know, upwards of two million probably, which would be really, really good. Packed stadium, uh, England v France should be a good game. I think England are going to play. They're going to rotate their squad a little. Which are should, they going to? Are they be. really? You've got. Is that confirmed? Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much confirmed that everyone who didn't play last week is going to play this week. So that should make it a, a closer game. I don't think France will win, but I think France will get a solid hit out that will make them more likely to win against uh, Samoa. Yeah, and which that's is a not... weird thing because you want yeah. you want Samoa Tonga. That's the event we all want to see. But on the other hand, you know. Go France. I love France. We want we want the best best nation, mate. And it's France, <laughs> Same it's France. Last night, you wanted PNG yeah. to win, but then PNG that would yeah. have robbed you of your um, of Tonga Samoa. Or yeah, Tonga Samoa. Um, unless unless PNG won and then France. I oh, know that wouldn't have worked. Sorry, scratch that. But uh, England France. I'm excited by everything around that, as you've just mentioned, the crowd, the audience. Um, it's three o'clock Australian time on Sunday morning. Um, I'm thinking jumping on Twitter for a, a live watch party or something like that with my, my mates from the Rugby League in America podcast. We need to do like a live Twitter spaces and just watch the game together and talk about it just to keep me awake at three. I don't think I'm going to need much help. It's going to be a cracker of a game, but I'm looking forward to that one very much as I am Lebanon and Ireland. Um, this I, I watched Ireland 
beat Jamaica and thought Ireland are going to go through to the quarters, no problem. But then I watched Lebanon against New Zealand and thought, okay, I've changed my mind. I think Lebanon will beat Ireland. Um, they've got some injuries and some suspensions, which do might bring out. them. Yeah, do 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 way he's out. So that you know that that's going to be big, and that's going to put Ireland in with a massive, a big chance as well. I'm guessing you're going the. I, I think I'm also just going Lebanon because I know you're going to go Ireland, and I know yeah. we need a point of difference. Why why do you hate the Irish people? I love the Irish Uh, people, but I just um, Lebanon is the Queensland of international rugby league. They play above their weight. uh, Well, I don't know. So Ireland, I think Ireland. I've got a lot of now. I think the forwards is probably towards Ireland, but I mean, I think Ireland needs to be better than they were last week. Because, but then I think last week they just played the team that was in front of them a little bit. So, so are are Lebanon going to play their? like shock style of rugby league against Ireland? Because I like your theory. I mean, they obviously had to play, they had to ask questions of New Zealand, but do they have to ask the same questions of Ireland? Are we going to see well, different we tactics? We don't know. We don't know. That's, um, I think that's an interesting point because I think if, if Lebanon try and play sensible footy against Ireland, they, I think they would limit themselves. I think they can play, they, they would get more out of it playing danger footy. But obviously the danger with that is, if it doesn't work and you're continually handing the ball back to an island team, which is very, very competent, and I mean that in the best possible way, like they're yeah. going to play hard through the middle, they've got big outside backs, and they've got you know a magic man in, in Luke Carey, and they've got Luke, um, Joe Keyes who'll kick really well. Like I think if they if Ireland play very sensible footy and Lebanon's crazy plays don't come off, then Ireland should win. If you're Lebanon, play the crazy plays. Give Mitchell Moses the ball and it does come off. Give I think we'll get Khaled Rajab instead of Dewey's out. Yeah. Who it could be anything. He's a great, great young player, as I've mentioned many times on this podcast. Absolute um, box office player. So yeah, bring it on. I, you know who's gonna be a great game. You know who was good for Ireland too? I forgot to mention the fullback. Um what's his name? Richie Milo. Mate, he was great. He played fantastically. I was well, really yeah, impressed. Richie Milo's played played yeah. um Played as not played that well since uh, his his uh, under fourteen witness team. Whacked a young a young me playing for uh, Rochdale. But that's the one I'm looking forward to. Lebanon Island. I cannot wait for that one. It's twelve thirty a.m. Monday morning Aussie time. Um, Samoa Greece. I think is going to be Samoa. But I I can't wait to see that Greek style of rugby league again. And the fans love it too. We had um we had a huge amount of Greek rugby league jerseys available at ChasingRoos.com that went on sale a couple of days ago, they all sold out within 48 hours, which was inc- incredible stuff. I think it's one of the fastest selling jerseys we've had other than uh, our Ukraine jersey recently. But we've just ordered, and this is another another plug, sorry guys, but I've just we've just ordered another bunch of Greek jerseys. So they are available at chasingroof.com on pre-sale. Hopefully they'll still be available uh, by the time this goes live because they've been going fast. Had to, had to give that plug, Mike. Well, um, you know, we we have we have gone. Um, we said we'd do half an hour. We we're we're coming up to an hour now, right? So I'm conscious of that. Anyone... Also, I, also, I haven't been able to do any exercise for quite some time. And my dad wants to go to the gym in five minutes, um, and I can get a lift. But here, let me let me leave you with a speaking of things that have gone viral on Twitter. Done. The heartwarming tale. We love heartwarming tales. Um, so before the Saints, uh, before the PNG Tonga game yesterday 
I went out to Fatawif Junior Club. I've just reminded us, I was talking about my uh, junior career, having played many times at Fatawif as a junior, um, where James Graham was handed his 50th, his golden cap, which is an award that the International League give out if you make 50 appearances in Test Sport. There'd only been nine before. Um, so, you know, Ruben Wiki, Adam Blair, Seven Deceiver, Lockyer, Smith, uh, the rest of them, Adrian Morley, lots of them. Gary Schofield apparently stranded on 49 and very angry about it, which makes me feel good. But Gary Schofield's <laughs> having a bad day. Hate that guy. Uh, even though he's played for FC. Um, so we were all waiting. James Graham, there was an accident on the motorway, which we got stuck in behind. And James Graham was stuck even further behind us. So he was, and he was racing because he was on the coverage, which you will have noticed. James Graham was doing the commentary. Um, so he literally landed. He got into the car park. Everyone's waiting outside, you know, waiting for him. There's like quite a lot of people there. And he runs out. He knows everybody there. Absolutely everybody's like, oh my God, it's James Graham. But they're like childhood friends of his and people from his junior club and stuff like that. Uh, Ralph Rimmer of Rugby League uh, Chair Fame, who's also director at IRL, he did the little handover. There you go, James, well done. But then James handed the cap on to his junior club as like a, you know, you people gave me everything. And go and find the video. It was emotional stuff. He was crying his eyes out. He, um, clearly what it meant to him that he would achieve what he's achieved in the game because of the work of random, you know, normal working class people in St. Ellen's who gave, you know, put all this stuff in place so that kids can play footy. And, and I feel that's something that rugby league does better than anybody else. You know, our players are so connected to where they came from. You see that whether that's, you know, the, the Samoan boys who are so proud to be from Western Sydney and of Samoan heritage or whether it's, you know, the Greek lads who who, who understand so much about their heritage or um, or even, the, you know, people who play for England who recognise that, that junior clubs in, in pretty deprived areas gave them absolutely everything. So that was beautiful stuff. It's it's so rugby league. I love it, mate. I love the story. I love James Graham. And, um, mate, if you haven't listened to it already, go back to the very first episode of this series where you spoke to James Graham about England's chances um, and what a great way to end this, what has been a jam-packed and very exciting episode of World Cup Chases, mate. Brilliant stuff. I am going to go to the gym and attempt to remember what exercise looks like and probably have a fish and chips for my lunch. Enjoy, mate, and thank you for chasing kangaroos with me.